In Proverbs chapter number 30, beginning in verse number 5, it's one of the beautiful passages in the Bible. You know, whenever you're, you're looking at uh, Bible translations and things like that, this is one of the, the more powerful verses of the Bible. But there's something important here that I want to get into. In verse number 5, it says, Every word of God is pure. It means it's either pure or it's been, you know, adulterated. It's, it's either been messed up, corrupted, or it's pure. Every word of God is is pure. That means that you can trust what God says. Amen. Because how many of you know if God's word isn't pure, you can't really trust what your Bible says. Amen. You got to trust that that Bible is pure. And the Bible says right there, every word of God is pure. So that's a verse to hold on to. But look at this next part. It says, he is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. God is a shield to those that place their trust in him. Now, what this, this shows us is that those who will not trust God will not experience the protection that God has for them. We see in Psalm 91, one of the most blessed promises of God is that if you dwell in that secret place, right, with God, he overshadows you. And, and the, being in that overshadowing of God is where we want to be. We want to be close to him because as life comes at us and brings those trials and those tribulations, we need to be next to God so that God can protect us from those things. That's why Jesus said, in this life, you're going to have what? Tribulation. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world is what he said. And so one of the things that we want to see in this passage is that if, if you want God to protect you, number one and foremost, is it doesn't matter what your last name is or your first name. No matter what church you belong to, no matter any of that, it matters this. Do you trust God? And it's easy to say you trust God until push comes to shove. It's easy to say that you trust God until you get a bad report from a doctor. It's easy to say you trust God until you lose your job. It's easy to say you trust God until, you know, you lose a loved one. Amen? It's easy to say it. It's completely different to walk it out. And that's what we're going to look at tonight is, is this walking out of trust. It, it, it's multifaceted. And one of the things that God wants us to do is to rest in him. Over and over throughout the Bible, uh, we see that we're called to rest in God. That means not just to, you know, take a nap. It means to realize that God is the one who fights for us. It means to realize that we can rest in God's ability to, to push the enemy back. One of the things that the Bible tells us over in Peter is to resist the devil, right? Resist the devil and he will flee. Well, you know what? That strength doesn't come from you because he's not scared of you. Amen? He's not scared of you. You know who he's scared of? The one who protects you. He's scared of the one who's a shield around you. He's scared of your buckler, your refuge, your strong tower. He's scared of the one who's behind you and in you and around you. See, whenever the nation of Israel was, was delivered out of Egypt, it wasn't because they were great. It was because God was great in them. And as they went and they faced enemy after enemy after enemy in the promised land and in the desert before that, as they faced all their enemies, God was there protecting them along the way, and they were winning battles. They had no business winning. You look at Judges. You look through all that with Gideon and people like that and Deborah. And you see how God moved in the lives of people. God was protecting them, amen, when their strength was small, but they rested in God, and God protected them from every foe, amen? And I want you to know tonight that we all have a battle on our hands. We talked about spiritual uh, we talked about spiritual warfare last week and one of the things about spiritual warfare that we need to remember is that faith is a fight. One thing that the enemy wants to do is to get you to stop believing, to stop trusting, to stop putting your faith in Christ and to begin to trust yourself. One of the things that we have to do as believers is to remember that God is a shield to those that trust him. Amen? Let me show you a couple of things about this, and, and um, I'm going to end up taking you somewhere else, but uh, go with me over to uh, 2 Timothy chapter number 1. As, you, as you're turning in the Bible to 2 Timothy chapter number 1, uh, listen to this. 
the shield, the shield around you, right, is God. He's the one that goes before you. The Bible also says that God is our rear guard or our rear reward. He's the one who protects us from our enemies behind us and the one that goes before us. God is all in all around us. And so many times what the enemy wants us to do is to begin to look at the problem and not the problem solver. You know, one of the things that we see over throughout the Bible is that many men and women of God became sidetracked because they began to look at the problems and they stopped looking at God. You know, as, as we look at any kind of challenge that we face in our life, we know that God calls us to trust him through it. Even when we can't see the bottom. Even when we can't see the outcome. Amen? Because one of the things about that God does is he, never, he, he may not tell you what's going to happen tomorrow. Amen? He's in the right now. He's in the right now. It's, it's, you know, you must, you must stay up all night thinking about, well, what if I don't do this and what if this happens? What if they do that and then I'm going to have to do this? And then if I do this, well, you know, they're going to do that. And then if they do that, then I'm going to have to do this. And you start on this rabbit trail of thinking all these thoughts that God never called you to think. And before you know it, you're stressed out, you're burned out, you're agitated, you lost your joy, you lost your peace, amen? And you know what else you lost? You stopped trusting. You stopped trusting. Because whenever we begin to do that, that's, that's another word for worry. <laughs> another word for worry. We, it, and you cannot, you cannot walk in God's peace and worry at the same time. You've got to do one or the other, amen? Can't do it. So we've got to make those choices in our lives, whether we're going to rest in God and trust him with the, the things of our life. Because how many of y'all know that God is providential? One of, the, one of the words that the old saints used to use a few hundred years ago is God's providential. God's providence. It means that God's got it. You, you know what? It's really not about you or me, but God working through us and in us. And God's got a master plan. You are where you are because God is working something in your life. You're at the job you're at because God wants to save somebody's soul there. Not because, you know, it's just, oh, that's a good job. I'm just going to stick them there. You're, you are where you are for a reason. Your neighbors are your neighbors for a reason. Amen? The, the, the people around you are there for a reason. It's because God wants to use you to reach them. God wants to shine his light through you. Amen? That's why we're, we're called to be that city on a hill. Don't hide your light under a bushel. Y'all know that old song, right? Hide it under a bushel? No. Don't let Satan blow it out, right? Don't let Satan blow it out, and that's what he wants to do. He wants you to kind of hide that light, and he wants you to do that because he wants to strike fear in your heart. Fear in your heart for multi-reasons. This is where worry originates. Like I said, worry and peace cannot coexist. Worry and peace cannot coexist. It's, it, at some point, everybody's flesh will begin to worry at some point because that's what flesh does. We all think about, well, if, if this happens, then I'm going to have to do that. We just begin to go down those roads of worry and worry and worry. But at some point, the Spirit of God within the believer will say, what you doing? What you doing? You're going down the wrong road, aren't you? Aren't you supposed to trust me? Don't you know that I'm in control? Don't you know that I've got you from point A to here? And if I've got you from there to here, I'm going to continue this thing on. Amen? We were, I'm going to show you something in a minute. But look what it says right here in 2 Timothy chapter number 1 in verse number 7. It says, for God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. One of the things that we forget is that God has given us the ability, amen, even though you may not know the, the how thing is going to work out, God has given you the ability to trust him in it in spite of not knowing how it's going to work out. 
This is where the spirit of power, love, and a sound mind comes from. Power being the, the power of God working through you as you trust God. Power being that you're trusting God. It gives you the power. How many of y'all know that we're not talking about your power in this part right here? We're talking about the power of God in you. And the power of God in you will activate when you trust God through and through. If you're in your, if you're in your flesh and you're worrying and you're in your flesh and you're stressed out and you're anxious and you're doubting, you know what? There's gonna, not going to be any victory in that. Not going to be any victory at all in that. You are what we call a self-defeating prophecy. Just because you, you, you begin to worry, you'll begin to say, well, I'm losing my peace. I don't have peace over this. And you begin to worry some more and worry some more. And it's like a snowball going downhill. But what we don't realize is the more we worry, the more we fret, the less peace we're going to have, no victory in our life. See, God didn't give us a spirit of fear. There's, there's a difference. There, there, you, you, you cannot operate in both of these things at the same time. It's not an ambidextrous spirit. You can't. It's not, not, not like that. You're either going to be operating in the spirit of fear or you're going to be walking in the power of God. You're either going to be walking in fear all the time, worried about how something's going to play out, whether it's your house, your job, your health, your family, some neighbor, whatever it may be. You might be worried about, you know, where's pastor going with this? You might be worried about anything. But if you go down that road, it's a spirit of fear. And you cannot walk in the power of God and be worrying, fearful, anxious all the time. They don't coexist, right? God doesn't coexist. God exists. You see somebody with a coexist bumper sticker, you know they don't know God. So one of the things that, that I want you to see here is that there's this, this uh, power, love, and a sound mind. Now, we know that God has given us love, right? Romans 5, 5, right? The love of God has been shed abroad, right? In our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Powerful passage. Powerful passage. Power, love, and a sound mind. And you know that one of the things that a sound mind it represents here is the peace of God. It tells us in Philippians chapter number 4 to, to not be anxious, right? But to pray, to be thankful. And it says, in the peace of God will what? Comfort your heart and minds through Christ Jesus. That, that word there means that the peace of God, the peace of God will be like an army coming around your mind. And every time something comes against your mind, every time something comes against God, every time something says something that contradicts God's promise for your life, the peace of God will grab hold of it. Then, uh, let me show you that over in Philippians um, chapter number 4 real quick. Philippians chapter number 4. And look down in verse number 6. Powerful, powerful passage right here. It says, to be careful for nothing. But what about my house? What about my job? What's going to happen to my marriage? What about my sick child? It says, be careful for nothing. Amen? But you know, that's hard to do. That's hard to do. I, you know, I, and, and I'm not just saying, uh, you know, when our child was in the hospital, it's 50-50, right? That's not a good feeling. It's not a good feeling at all. We've been through miscarriage. Had a child on the operating table. Doctor says 50-50. And yet the Bible says, be careful for nothing. How do you do that? You can't do that on your own. You've got to realize that there's a higher power at work in your life. And it's not you. It's God. You either trust God or you trust yourself. Amen? And look, you can't go, you can't, your mind can't go down all the roads and foresee everything. God's got a hand orchestrating everything. The Bible says in Isaiah that he knows the end from the beginning. He's God. Amen? He knows what he's doing. He knows why he's doing what he's doing. And our job is to trust that. Our job is to trust that. So the Bible says here, like, well, it says to be careful for nothing. Well, like I said, it's easier said than done. 
It's easier said than done. And the challenge is, look, you're hearing somebody preach, right? Be careful for nothing. That's easy to hear. It's easy to say. You can even memorize it and put it on your refrigerator. But it's different to live it. It's different to live it. And nobody knows whether you are except for you and God. Be careful for nothing. This, this care is, is unwarranted care. Unwarranted care. This is talking about, you know, being over-anxious, over-stressed. Well, what about, you know, what, what if my child doesn't get picked for the team? Or what if my child doesn't get a job? What if my child gets this? What if my child gets that? Put them in God's hands. Put them in God's hands. They're better off when you put them in God's hands. Because God's a good God. And he knows what he's doing. And you know what? Whether you put them in God's hands or not, God's got them. It's us that is exempting ourselves from the peace of God. Sometimes we need to remember that God has called us, right, to release burdens through prayer, right? And if you don't do that, the enemy is going to keep throwing more burdens and more burdens and more burdens on you until you finally get to that breaking point and you say, you know what, I'm tired of talking about it, tired of whining about it, get on my kick, tired of writing on Facebook about it, I'm ready to pray about it. I'm ready to get down on my knees and seek God's face for my child. I'm ready to get down on my knees and seek God's face for my marriage, for my home, for my city, for my nation. I'm ready to seek God's face. I'm tired of hearing about abortions in Shreveport. I'm tired of hearing about same-sex marriage in our nation. I'm tired of hearing about churches that are going the way of the world. I'm tired of hearing about this. I'm tired of, I'm, I'm tired of whining about it too. And I'm ready to fight. I'm ready to get on my knees and take this thing to God and pray this thing through until that burden lifts. And then I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, right? It's not mine. God's got it. It's not mine. God's got it. And I want to tell you something. As long as you hold on to burdens, the enemy is going to strike fear in your heart. But God didn't give us a spirit of fear. As long as you hold on to burden, right? I don't know what's going to happen to my mom. I don't know what's going to happen to my child. I don't know what's going to happen to my grandchild, my job, my house. God knows. And until you pray it through and release that burden to God, the enemy's going to use that thing to strike fear at the core of your being. And this is a choice that every believer must make. At what point in time are you going to release the burden to God? This as long as you hold on to the burden yourself, it becomes a point of attack on you because the enemy doesn't want you to have peace and he certainly doesn't want you to release that burden to God. And as long as you hold on to that burden, it, it, it is a target for the enemy. Amen? One of, the, one of, you know, one of my favorite sayings you know, about preaching is that I, I hide myself behind the word of God. And what I mean by that is I try to let the word of God go before me and I just stand behind what God has said. Well, that's the way that I live. I, I try to live my life by that same principle. But when we begin to be anxious and careful about things that belong to God and we hold on to burdens, whether it's for our family or even a nation or a church, whatever it may be, when you hold on to those burdens, when you should be taking them to the Lord... You know what happens? You get out in front of God. You get outside of his protection. You're stopping trusting God. The Bible showed you in, in Proverbs 30, it says that, that God is a shield to those that trust him. It's a shield to those that trust him. And if we're not releasing our burdens to God, how can we say we trust him? What we're actually saying is we can probably figure out a better way. It don't cost our hide as much. Amen? Say, oh, God's way is this, but you know, if I do that, then maybe I can get around it. You know, there's no better way than to release burdens to God. There's no better way. How many of you know that there's no shortcut either with God? Right? There's no shortcut with God. God's only got one way. It's called surrender. And God don't change. 
There's no shortcut. So it says here to be careful. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. How do you have thanksgiving in your heart when your life's falling apart? You know how? Focus on Jesus. That's right. Focus on Jesus. And you know what? One of the things that we do that we should be doing is drawing water from the well of our salvation. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Restore the joy to my soul. You know how? Go back to that place where you were lost and on your way to hell. Remember that Christ had mercy on you when you called out on Jesus. Amen? And God will begin to restore the joy. We always talk about, you know, oh, they're a new Christian. They're on fire for God. Just give them six months and they're going to be cold and dead just like the rest of us. But you know what? When somebody first gets saved, they're all excited for God, and that's how God wants it to stay. It's only whenever we begin to control things ourselves that we begin to lose the peace of God and then the fire of God. That's the power of God that we were talking about because God didn't give us a spirit of fear. Power, love, and a sound mind. And the way that we stay in that place is by keeping our burdens given over to God. When we stop giving our burdens to God, we will begin to allow fear to rise up in our spirit. And God never designed us for that. Somebody once said that fear is the, the false evidence appearing real. I don't know who came up with that, but it's kind of neat. But fear is just simply whenever the enemy taunts you about what might be. What might be, what could be. And if you go down those roads, he won't stop. He won't stop. Some of you have been gripped by fear for too long. You're a child of God. You're a child of God. You're going to sit there and say you've been gripped by fear. The enemy has had you under his thumb by fear, worried about how something is going to work out. When God has said, release it to me. So he says, be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And, and after you let your request be made known unto God, and the peace of God, the peace of God, which passes all understanding, not might, not could, shall shall if you pray and you release your burdens to God with thanksgiving in your heart the Bible says the peace of God shall shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus there's no if ands or buts about it you don't have to go to you don't have to go watch somebody's DVD you don't have to get somebody special to lay hands on you if you'll simply take your burdens to God and release them to God with thanksgiving in your heart the Bible says the peace of God shall keep you. Shall keep you. And what I was saying earlier is this word keep here is a military word. This is whenever a, 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 somebody in military keeps their position. They're, they're on guard looking out for the enemy. This is what the peace of God does in your heart and in your mind as you stay prayed up. As you stay prayed up and trusting in God, the peace of God will be activated in your life. And any time something comes and tries to invade that peace, God will say, we got to pray about this. we got to pray about it. we got to pray about it. Amen? Some of us are, are in this place where we've been stuck in a valley. We've been stuck in a valley because, well, it's just easier to, Try to worry. It's easier to do that than to release a burden to God. Some of us, we've released some burdens to God, but not all. It's easy to release a burden that, you know, well, I know, I, but that one about my child, that, that one's a tough one, Brother Kenny. Well, it's tough for everybody. It's tough for everybody. Everybody's got those issues. And what I'm telling you is the longer you hold on to that burden, it, the more it becomes a target for the enemy to strike fear in you, something that God never designed you for. 
We've not been given the spirit of fear. Amen? We've not been given the spirit of fear, but the, the, the church of God has been walking in fear for too long. In fact, the church of God is in fear of man right now. Why else would we allow sodomites to preach in pulpits? Why else would we not turn down sodomite marriages? Our churches all over the nation are scurrying about. What, what are we going to do whenever somebody comes in our church and asks, can we get married in your church? Everybody's scared of everybody. When we're not supposed to be fearful of anybody except for God himself. Amen. Amen. Fear God and him alone. Right? Fear God and him alone. Well, one of the things that I want to uh, just kind of show you here, um, if you will, let me just share this with you before we move on. It's in Philippians 1. I shared this earlier this morning. Um, let me show you this before we move on. It's pretty good. It, and, it, and it fits right here. In Philippians 1, I was saying earlier this morning that, you know, the book of Philippians is about rejoicing. It's about finding joy in, your, in, in um, God. You know, rejoicing is not about your circumstances. It's about who your God is. If, if, if you are focused on your circumstances, you're going to be happy one minute and sad the next. But if you're focused on Jesus, you're going to have joy all the time. And that choice, just like this other one, is for all of us. Joy comes from the presence of the Lord. Joy comes from being in God's presence. It doesn't come from winning the lottery. It doesn't come from getting married. It doesn't come from having children. It doesn't come from getting a house. It doesn't come from getting a promotion. Joy doesn't come from getting picked for the baseball team. Joy doesn't come from any of that stuff. Joy comes from the presence of God. Amen. Happiness comes from all that stuff. But joy comes from the presence of God. And, when, and, and in the book of Philippians, over and over and over, the number one theme of it is to rejoice. And he says over there in, in chapter 4, he says, and again I say rejoice. Well, one of the things that is beautiful in, this, in, in, in Philippians is this verse right here. Look in verse number 6. Well, let me just read verse number 4, uh, 3. It's all one thought. Paul said, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Now, who's performing the work? He that hath begun a good work in you. Who began a good work in you? Was it you or was it God? It was God. God was the one that said, hey, you're a sinner, and if you don't watch out, you're going to go to hell. God was the one that began a good work in you because the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, you were dead in your sins and your trespasses. Amen? Dead in your sins and trespasses. But the Holy Spirit of God quickened you when you believed on Jesus Christ. And it was God that began a good work in you. And if God got you from where you were to where you are, God's going to keep you from where you are to where he's taken you. Amen? Well, you know what that does? That, that just says, you know what? That's true. Because I didn't get where I am on my own. I, how many of y'all have gone through trials and tribulations? How many of y'all have suffered loss of loved ones and loss of jobs? How many of y'all have been through the fire and the earthquake? Amen. How many of y'all been through the flood? And you're on the other side of it, because not because you got yourself through, because God got you through it. Amen. Amen. If you've come from there to here, you've got to trust that God's going to get you from here to over yonder. Amen. God's going to do it because God already did it in your life. You can trust God. He's good. Amen? Isn't God good? He's good. And he's a shield to those that trust him. Amen. He's a shield to those that trust him. Well, you know what? If you don't want to trust God, you don't want the peace of God in your life, that's your decision. But I'm here to tell you tonight that the enemy is working through this realm of fear. Every, every single one of the burdens that we hold on to instead of releasing to God, and I don't mean this, don't be an Indian giver, right? 
I, I don't mean that. I, I mean, when you release it, you, let, you say, God, I'm giving this. I'm bringing it to the altar. I'm bringing it to the altar, and I'm not going to grab it again. I'm bringing it to the altar. Some of you, you know, I always tell people this. Sometimes somebody asks me, well, you know, what are the altars for in your church? What are they for? Well, in the, in the Bible, an altar is where something goes to die. And if you're burdened, if you're burdened, that burden needs to die. You've got to take that thing to God. Amen? You've got to take that thing to God and release it. And release it and say, you know what, God? I can't hold on to this anymore. I can't hold on to it anymore. I can't make them love me. I can't make them want me. I can't change this and I can't change that. But God, I don't have to hold this anymore. I'm releasing it to you. I'm releasing what's going to happen to them. I'm releasing how the situation is going to turn out. I'm releasing this, that, and the other. And that's what God wants us to do. This is how we get into this place where we are not careful for anything, but we're prayerful about everything. That's what God wants us to do. And so here, understand just in summary before we move on, that we're either operating in the spirit of fear or we're walking in power, love, and a sound mind. And what I mean by that, I showed you that the power of God is when you're trusting God. And you know God's at work. The love of God is when you're not harboring any, you know, hardships. You're not mad that somebody took your parking spot or somebody didn't say hi to you. You didn't get picked to do this, that, or the other. And then that sound mind is the peace of God that mounts garrison around you. It keeps your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. And that's what we, we're either operating in that spirit or the spirit of fear. And too many believers are operating in the spirit of fear. Too many believers are operating in the spirit of fear. The spirit of fear will keep you from sharing Jesus with somebody. Because you're scared what they may think about you. Spirit of fear will keep you from being the, the, the vessel that God wants you to be. The spirit of fear will keep your mouth shut when God wants to use your mouth to share the gospel with somebody. The spirit of fear will keep you from laying hands on somebody. Spirit of fear, will, and I don't mean your children like mad at them. I mean like praying on them. Amen? The spirit of fear will keep you from doing what God has called you to do. The spirit of fear will keep you held back. And what it shows is that we're not trusting God. Come on now. shows that we're not trusting God. Well, let me show you something over in, in uh, Psalms 46. Psalm 46. And what's neat is we're going to move from here back over to Proverbs chapter 30. So here in, in Psalm 46, let's go down to verse number 7. It's often said that Psalm 46 was one of the favorite psalms of uh, Martin Luther, which uh, I don't know, take it or leave it. But anyways, in verse number 7 it says, The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Can I ask you a question? Is the God of Jacob your refuge? Is the God of Jacob your refuge? When, when the bill's coming in, when doubts begin to rise, when people begin to turn their back on you, when, when things don't go your way, who's your refuge? You know, everybody's got that one friend, right, that you can usually call, and they'll listen to you, tell the same whining story for the 80th time, right? And some of y'all use Facebook for that. But who's your refuge? Let me tell you, Facebook isn't a refuge. It's a trap. It'll get you into a place where the spirit of fear will begin to rise up in your life. And I'm not attacking Facebook. I'm just saying it's not God. Understand what I mean. God of Jacob is our refuge. Don't ever forget who your refuge is. A refuge is a shelter from a storm. 
A, a refuge is, is, a, is a place where you can be protected, where you can come in from the weather. A refuge is a place where you can take your breath. <sighs> it's bad outside. I've got to come inside and catch my breath for a minute. A refuge is a place where you can catch a break, where you can breathe that cool air. Amen? A refuge is who our God is for his people. And if, if you're not finding refuge in God, you are exempting yourself from the peace that God has available for you. One of the things that I want you to see in this psalm, though, just continuing on, it says that the God of Jacob is our refuge, Selah. Come and behold the works of the Lord, what desolations he hath made in the earth. He maketh wars to cease under the ends of the earth. He breaketh the bow and cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Now, one of the things that, about this verse that I want to pull out of this is, is the Bible says here to be still and know that I'm God. This is obviously God speaking, and God is speaking to his people, and he's telling his people to be still and know that I'm God. What that means is not, we're not talking about Eastern mysticism. We're not talking about you doing any humming or anything like that. We're talking about you resting in the fact, resting in the fact that God's got it. It's about you releasing your cares to God. It's about you releasing your burdens to God. This is talking about battles. God goes, this is actually an, an end times kind of prophetic passage, and a lot of people don't realize that. But one of the things I want you to see, though, is that God's got the end under control. He knows the end from the beginning. He's got it. He's got it. Amen? And God's telling you, be still and know that I'm God. I'm the one that fights for you. I'm the one that will break the back of the enemy for you. I'm the one that will come and take vengeance when they come against you. I will defend you. I will be victorious through you. I will be powerful through you. But you've got to be still and know that I am God. That's what he's saying. What, what are we talking about? You, you're not the one that's fighting. It's God fighting through you. Amen? You're not the one at war. It's God warring through you. Amen? It's, it's the Spirit of God at work in you that's bringing you to this place where God can say, look, be still and know that I'm God. This being still is talking about you not, not warring yourself. And one of the things that I, I wanted to say about that is a lot of times in, in our own lives, we will begin to try to fix things ourselves. This is the opposite of releasing the burden to God. You try to fix things yourself, you make a bigger mess than when it started. Amen. Amen? You try to fix things yourself, you can't fix it. Only God can. Now, God will tell you to pray for your enemy. God will tell you to bless your enemy. God will tell you to, to love your enemy. But as far as fixing it goes, that's, a, that's when God has to be the one that changes hearts. Amen? If you've ever, if you've ever experienced this where you've got a relative who is antagonistic towards God, or you've got a relative or a loved one who is not walking with God, you've got somebody, how many of y'all know people that keep running into walls, if you know what I mean? Boom, boom. Everywhere there's a wall, they're going to hit it. Boom, boom, boom. Well, let me tell you something. You can't fix them. You can't fix them. Only God can. Only God can. God's the one that fixed you. You didn't fix you. And if you didn't fix you, you, can't, you sure can't fix them. God is the one that fixed you. God is the one that set you straight. God is the one that opened your eyes. God is the one that softened your heart. God is the one that ministered to you in your brokenness. God is the one that delivered you. God is the one that restored you. God is the one that put his spirit in you. God is the one who did the work in you. You can't do the work in somebody else. You've got to release them to God. Our job is to keep them lifted up to God. Put them on the altar. Put them on the altar. Plead for their soul before God. Amen? One of the things that says in, in, in Isaiah, God wondered why there was no intercessor, right? 
Don't ever let it be said that God wondered why there's no intercessor for your family. If you're a child of God, you should be the intercessor. Oh, I'm not called to pray. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. I'm not a prayer warrior. Yes, you are. Or you should be. You should, you know, get engaged in the battle because that's where it's at. The battle is not on Facebook. The, battle's not, the battle is not in you trying to figure it out, you trying to plan it out, you trying to corner them in a room and whoop them. And that, that's not the battle. The battle's on your knees in intercession for your family. Listen, for your church, for souls, for your nation. Now, come on now. The battle is on our knees. If you want to see God change things, if you want to see God change things, how many of y'all know God's not impressed when you go march in the streets? God's not impressed when you go do a 5K run. God's not impressed by a pancake breakfast. You know what moves the heart of God? When his children pray. Why is it that we will do everything else under the sun but the one thing that moves God? Why is it that we will run and put our hand to the, every other plow except for the plow that plows the kingdom of God? Prayer is what moves things in the kingdom of God. And nothing will move without the power of prayer. I want to see God move in this generation. The church has got to get back to place where we trust God and release things to God through a burden of prayer. Go, you know, so many times you see things on the news. People go and blow up a abortion clinic, or people go and they do that. They, what are they doing? They're trying to take matters in their own hands. They're trying to figure something out and try to take matter. You can't do that. You've got a wayward child. You can't hog time. I mean, you could, but it's not going to do anything. It's it's only the power of God that can break the stronghold off of them because it was only the power of God that broke it off you. And I'm here to tell you this too. There was somebody that prayed for you. Somebody was praying for you somewhere. Some grandma, somebody in church that you visited, somebody somewhere had you on their heart and took you to the altar and prayed you through. Somebody somewhere prayed for you. Amen? And one of the one of the one of the major things that our generation is missing is that same love for one another. When are we going to get to the point where we love each other enough to go to the Lord in prayer for one another? The Bible says so many times, pray for one another, love one another, encourage one another, edify one another. And yet, a lot of times, our prayers, if anything, are about me, myself, and I. And, and maybe you know, that our sports team will win. When God has called us to burden and labor in prayer for others. You see, whenever it comes to the, to the battle, engaging in the battle, it's, it's just, you know, reminding you. Last Sunday night, we talked about spiritual warfare. That's kind of where we're at. See, the battle belongs to the Lord. The battle belongs to the Lord. And when it comes to spiritual warfare for our families, for our loved ones, for our churches, look, what good does it do if we're going to complain about the state of the church in 2019 if we don't pray for the state of the church in 2019? What good does it do to blast people on Facebook if we don't go to our knees and, and bombard heaven for their soul? What good does it do to run people down with our mouth if we don't lift them up to God? doesn't do any good. In fact, it does harm. In fact, it does harm. So the Bible here says, <clears throat> to be still and know that I'm God. This is what God says. And he's going to be exalted. And one, of, one of the reasons why I wanted to take you to this passage is because I want you to see beyond a shadow of a doubt that God is in control. It's like this is a passage about the end times. God said, look, I'm going to do all this. I'm going to break their chariots. I'm going to break their bows. I'm going to bring desolations. I'm going to do all this. And how many of you, if you've ever read the back of the book, Revelation 19, you know when Jesus comes back, he's going to do it all. We're going to be behind him. It says there's going to be an army coming behind him, but Jesus is the one doing all the fighting. We're just behind him. We're just going to be in awe. We're going to be like, "Woo! glad I'm not that guy, glad I'm not that guy. 
It says in the valley of Megiddo, there's going to be blood up to the bridle of Christ's horse. It's not pretend blood. It's not slime. It says that the sword of the Spirit is coming out of his mouth. It's coming back for war. Eyes of fire. See, the first time, the first time he was missed because he was not beautiful, he was not comely. He's just average, right? He was the suffering Messiah. But when he comes back, when he comes back this time, he's going to be the conquering king. He's going to strike fear in the hearts of everyone that sees the skies part and the Son of Man coming to the earth. He's going to strike fear in the heart. And when his feet hit the Mount of Olives and that earthquake shatters Jerusalem, everyone's going to be running for the hills just like the Bible says. You see the king of glory returning in his glory. Be still and know that I am God. God is asking us, even though you can't see it with your natural eye, God is asking you to trust in your spirit. Even though you can't see the outcome, God's not telling you what tomorrow holds. God's asking you to trust the fact that he holds tomorrow. You see, the, the end times, right? Well, is America going to be there? Is France going to be there? Is Iraq going to Who's going to be there? Who's going to do this? Who's that? God said, in this verse right here, God said he's got it. He's got it. He's got it in his hand. He's going to do it. And he said, be still. No, I'm God. In other words, don't worry about all that. It don't matter what color the Antichrist horse's tail is. It don't. Because God's going to be victorious. No matter what color the Antichrist horse's tail is. And that's a beautiful thing. Well, why am I saying that? Why am I saying it like that? Because of this right here. If God's got that, God's got your family. If God has all the nations of the earth in his hand, and he's going to break them at the right time, and he's telling you, look, I've got all that, so be still and know that I'm God. If God's got all that, he's got you. He's got your family. He's got your church. He's got the pastors in our nation. Every faithful one and every wayward one. He's got a plan for all of them. Amen? And God's going to do something in this generation. And if you want to see God move, begin to labor in prayer. Begin to go to God and take those burdens. If you say, wow, I'm not burdened right now. I, I, I'm really, there's really nothing that I'm worried about. Life is good for me. Okay, we'll write a book like some preachers on TV. But the rest of us have burdens. The rest of us see things that are going on in the world. The rest of us are kind of like Lot. It says that Lot vexed his soul daily. If you're not vexing your soul daily by the wickedness around you, you've got a problem and you need to wake up. You need to drink some spiritual coffee. There's a wicked world all around us. This is one of the best passages in the Bible. Lot vexed his righteous soul daily. What does that mean? That means he didn't let himself get comfortable with all the wickedness around him. He just was troubled about it. He was troubled about all the, the fornication and the pornography and the sodomy and the, the cursing. And he was, he was revolted by the images that he saw on TV or on Billboard. He was, he was revolted by the wickedness in the world and in the generation. And look, if he was revolted by that. How much more should we? We need to wake up and smell the coffee. We need to wake up and look at the way through God's eyes. We need to look through a biblical lens at the land around us. And if we're not doing that, yeah, you're right. You're not going to be burdened. But the more you begin to look through a biblical lens at the world around you, the more you will become burdened. Amen? And the more that you love your family, the more that you're going to be burdened for their soul. The more you're going to be burdened that they get right with the Lord. The more you're going to be burdened that they finally find peace in Christ. The more you're going to be burdened for your loved ones or your churches or your nation. You're going to be burdened for these things. Only whenever you begin to open your eyes and see things through a biblical lens. Amen. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Well, I... I was planning on going to uh, another passage, but I, I feel like the Lord just wants me to stop right here because um, I feel like you got it. I feel like you got it. I feel like you got it. And I feel like God wants to do something to you right now. This is what I want you to do. 
I want you to think of a burden that you have not fully released to God. I want everybody in this place, under the sound of my voice, to think of at least one burden that you have not fully let go of. And I want you to, I want you to release it to God tonight. Now, what, whether you do or not, it's between you and God. And if you don't, if you're not burdened, ask God to open your eyes to something around you that needs to be prayed through. Amen? How many of y'all know somebody hurting tonight? All right, pray for them. How many of y'all know somebody that don't know the Lord tonight? How many of y'all know somebody that's broken? Alcoholic? Drug addict? False religion? Homosexual? How many of y'all know these people? How many burdens do we need to be taken to God? How many lost souls are there? How many wayward prodigals? How many prodigals are out there? What did that father do? That father waited in anticipation for that prodigal to come home. Amen? When was the last time we did that? When was the last time we prayed for those people to come home? When was the last time? Let's begin to do that. Amen? And what we're, what we're going to see is we're going to see this. You're going to begin to see God move. Once you begin to pray for somebody, the enemy's going to attack. Amen? But the most beautiful thing is God gives you the spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. God will give you an answer for every question if you're not operating in fear. You know what? It's, it's kind of like ministering, you know? It, it's either got to be the Holy Spirit doing it or not. If the Holy Spirit resides in you and you're not operating in fear, God will give you an answer to every trial. It's not giving you a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. And so I want you to begin to operate in that tonight. But what we're going to do is, is open up the altars. And you don't have to come to the altar, but I do want to open them up just in case you do want to. And what I want to do is just allow you the opportunity to release your burden to God. And if you don't have one, ask God for one. And I know that he will faithfully give you one tonight. Father, we thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to hear your word. God, we thank you, Father, for your grace that's at work in our lives and in the lives of others.